Good evening, everybody. We're so glad you're all here tonight. It's going to be an interesting evening because this chapter is the pivotal moment in the book, and it's one of the most pivotal moments in history as well. Uh, tonight, we actually are going to look at the great battle in heaven. Uh, this is what many would call the the difference between understanding the power of God versus the power of Lucifer, Satan. So as we look at this tonight, there's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of things in here that can be very misleading. So I'm going to try to break them down for you. I do realize I was reminded today that this isn't going very fast, this study. And I could go through it a lot faster but you're all telling me that, okay, we're trying to keep up with you when you do a half a chapter at a time. Just think if I just went through and did a whole chapter at a time in the same amount of hours, 60 minutes that I have. So what I'm trying to do is give you that. So we may talk about taking a break for the summer in a little bit, but we'll, we'll get to that discussion later on. Right now, we want to look at chapter 12 in Revelation. Um, for those of you joining us on the stream, we're glad you're here. Um, we're, we will be talking about, and I'm going to break this down. I think I'm going to break this down into verse by verse here instead of reading the whole thing through because I do not really know how far we're going to get tonight. And we'll break down each piece and then we'll see how far we can get this evening. Let us pray before we start this. Um, this, this is one of the chapters where, and, and, and you always should start your Bible studies with prayer. So let's open up and let God talk to us. Father, we just are amazed at your word to us. First off, we, we want to say how grateful and, and we glorify you in the fact that you, you preserved this word for us through all of the trials and tribulations of, of human history. And we have this word to look at that comes from you. So, Father, tonight, as we open up our hearts and our minds, help us to understand. May your words come out of my mouth this night, God. May you speak through me that it would be your words that we hear and help us to understand what we need to this day. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're in chapter 12. We're going to talk about, first, the woman and the dragon. Let's do um, verses uh, 1. Let's see how far I get. Got to work. Uh, verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant, was crying out in birth pains, and the agony of giving birth. We're going to stop right there for a second. There's a reason that. So if you have your little outline pages, you might want to be able to keep some notes here because here's a few things that you need to understand. Obviously, we see this great sign appearing in heaven as John sees it, and he says, she is closed with the sun and the moon beneath her feet. That phrase alone tells you that something between night and day on this special occasion is going to change all of history. It's, a, it's almost as if it's, it's a trying to say, okay, she's, she's in the middle of this day right here, got the sun, the moon at her feet, and in this day, something big, special, and amazing is about to happen. Then it says, and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. Who can tell me what the 12 stars are talking about? Come on, you can do it. 12, 12 tribes, very good. Because this is almost the same if you go back and look at Joseph, the dreamer of dreams, and when he was telling his brothers that they were all going to bow down to him, which was not a good idea, by the way, but he had problems after that. But the whole thing was, it's almost reminding us that. So there's a couple of different scenarios as Bible translators work with this phrase at the beginning of this book. There are those who believe the woman is actually Israel, the nation of Israel herself trying to say that she is the, the 12 tribes and stuff, and yet God is still going to use this woman to bear the Savior of the world. That is one thought that comes out. Another thought that comes out is that this is a picture of Mary as she's crying out in birth pains, birth pains to give the Savior to the world. Now, 
I don't know. There's, there's scripture backups for both sides. You can look at both sides and see what it is. Either way, it still comes down to one truth, doesn't it? The Savior of the world is coming. So let's, let's really, we, we could concentrate on all that funny little nuances and things of that. But what it comes down to is that God has said, guess what? It's time for the Savior to be born. And that's what, and she's screaming in agony of giving birth. And then in verse 3, it says, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, the great red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. Just that verse alone. Red dragon? Go ahead. There you go. I want you to say it out loud. That's right. Satan. Because we know that the dragon is, anytime that a dragon has been, especially the color red. Red is the color of blood. And Satan, the, the most powerful beast that has come out, he comes that way. Now, his seven heads. Seven being the number completeness, right? So he's pretty strong. He's pretty tough. And he's got seven horns on his head. So that means he has a lot of power. He's got a lot of power. And then it talks about all of the diadems, the wealth, the riches that he has. And in fact, Martin Luther back in 1500, yeah, 1500 and something. Wish I could remember that number. Back in the 1500s, Martin Luther said there was, when he, when he commented on this portion of scripture, he said, on earth there was none like this. There was none to compare to this. And, oh, he said, on earth is not his equal. And he was talking about the fact that, listen, on our own, nobody on this earth is going to defeat this. But the greatest part of this whole thing is that he could not do anything, <clears throat> excuse me, without God's permission. Amen? He couldn't, do it. he couldn't do a single thing without God's permission. Only God would allow him come down to do this. And as he comes down to do this, he starts to sweep away with a third of his tail. The verse 4 there, it says, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that he, when she bore the child, he might devour it. I'm telling you, he gives us, his, he plays his hand out there right in front of us. We know what he's trying to do. We know he's the enemy of God. We know that he wants to destroy all those who love God. And we're going to see that in just a second. But he had one thought in mind. If this baby is born, I'm in big trouble, mister. He knew that if this baby was born, his power was not just diminished, but his eternity would be <laughs> diminished greatly. If Satan himself knows this, what is it about humankind that doesn't understand it? I have asked that question of scholars way beyond me. I said, guys, the devil himself understands that if this baby is born, he loses power. He, he has to stop this. That's the only way he can win. So in other words, he knows if this baby's born, he's going to lose. So if he knows it, why don't we, as human entity? Just thought I'd throw that out there. I'm probably going to hear about that one too, but that's okay. I heard about it before I ate scared. Here we go. And then he goes, verse 5. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and his throne. <laughs> and the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Remember last week? 42 months, 1,260 days, three and a half years. Lots of symbolism. Means for a, a very long time, as long as she needs. But when she gives birth to this one who is to rule all the nations, in verse 5 there, it says, with, with the rod of iron. 
Iron was the strongest metal of the day. Nothing could stop it. It was the, the biggest, meanest, toughest. They hadn't discovered titanium yet. That came later on in Israel's history. But the amazing thing was with this male, this, that means the rod of iron symbol in all of this means all powerful. That means nothing could stop it. Nothing can stop the rod of iron. The rod of iron is the toughest thing there is of this day. And it's trying to tell you, look, when this male child is born, he's going to rule with the rod of iron, which means, guess what? Nobody can defeat him. And he knew that. And then he says, <laughs> and, the, and the child was caught up to God and to his throne. The devil himself could not even stop the birth or catch the baby after it was born. He didn't have the power to do that. You know, one of the things about being me is that I get these pictures in my head when this stuff happens, which, like, a lot of times gets me in trouble. But for this moment, I just picture just God, God standing there waiting for the baby to be born. He reaches over, grabs the dragon's throat, and says, hold on just a minute, just a second, takes the baby, catches up, lets the dragon go, and says, okay. That's what I pictured in my head. God says, do it. Now, what gets me is why God didn't just go, be done with it, but that's for a different purpose. We'll get on that later, and there would be dragon. Never mind. So, but he, that, get, that comes later. So then he says, and to his throne. And during that same thing, in an instant, the woman fled into the wilderness. Ladies, right after you, any of you who gave birth to a child, are you going to get up, run, and flee? Wait, wait. It's, it says, and a woman fled into the wilderness. What happened here? Was that another God thing? Because I'm just wondering how many of our women would, because I have three daughters, and I can guarantee you, my wife Kathy, yeah, she wouldn't have God been able to get up and flee. There would have been no fledding. Okay? That's not going to happen. So, so when that happens, God almost says, okay, bring this child in. Boom, the child gets born. Tells Mary, okay, get up. You got to go. In her mind, can you just imagine and say, here's my brain again going off. I'm sorry, just as Jackie does this all the time, and that's what gets me in trouble. I don't know what to tell you. But here's the thing. Think about it. God says, get up and go, and she's going, wait, I just did, what, are you crazy? God says, uh, you, that big red dragon next to you, you need to run. Gets up, and she takes off, and she goes, flees into the wilderness, where she went straight to a place. And not only did she just start running into the wilderness, she went to the specific place God had prepared for her. How do you think this young lady was treated after she bears the Son of God and goes to a place prepared for her by God? I'm thinking, all the ladies right now are thinking, oh, that's a palace, and there would be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can see, I'm looking at all the women who have children, and I'm going, uh-huh, I know what you're all thinking. You want to be in that place, too. I get it. But it says, which is, which she is to be nourished for this time. Now, in all of this first six verses, a whole lot of stuff just happened. All of mankind is changed. I mean, this, this is one powerful group of six little verses. Because in this six verses, all hell broke loose and all heaven was amazed. And everybody said, oh, he's in trouble. Because there's at no time is there any question of who is the strongest, is there? There's no question of who's the strongest here. I mean, you can see the power of God in this. And I think that that part was separated because of the next part. Let's go to verse 7. Now, and it's, do all of your Bibles have the first word of being now or therefore? If it does, raise your hand. I'd love to see just to see what it says, if it says now or therefore. Okay, so it says now War arose in heaven. So who was mad here? See, he, the, the red dragon could have just won off and wandered away and said, forget about it, because I already know who's the strongest, right? Obviously, I didn't win, but this tells you his arrogance and his evilness. Because now it says a war 
arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. Verse 8. The first three words of verse 8 is my favorite. But he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. I'm just wondering again, how many of those angels there were? There had to be a few, because they had a big battle. And it, it, it doesn't go through how it was fought. It doesn't go through how many bodies. It doesn't go through a whole thing. It just says there was the angels fought back, but he was defeated. I mean, it's like, matter of fact, done. But he fought back, but he, he lost, and he was defeated. I mean, it's like a guy, two guys walking into a boxing ring. One guy just walks up and punches the other one out. Boom, he was defeated. Let's go. Move on. And that's what's happening here. And he said there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Oh, wait a minute. Not only did we lose the battle, now we have to leave? Yeah. And the great dragon was thrown down. He didn't fall. He was thrown down. Who's the strongest? In the end, God wins. He was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was, and then John has to say it again, he was thrown down. John likes saying this. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven. So, so in that little phrase before that, the great dragon was thrown down. The ancient serpent was thrown down. The deceiver of the world was thrown down. His, all of his angels were thrown down. They didn't just fall from heaven. And I love people that say, you know, when the devil and all his angels fell from heaven, there was no falling. There was throwing. They got kicked out, thrown down, slammed into the mat. Anybody who's seen wrestling matches, when those guys throw people down, they don't play. They threw him down. He got thrown. That's it. And then verse 10, just to make sure everybody understands, God says this. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now. Again, with the now. The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. I love that. Who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb. And the next word, if you underline your Bible, there's something you need to underline. And by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Verse 11 is probably one of the most dynamic, empowering phrases that we could ever have as believers. Because it tells you right there, they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb. First, we're covered by the blood of the lamb. But it says by the word of their testimony. After they go to Bible college. Oh, wait. Is that in there? And the word of their testimony once they get a master's degree in theology and homiletics. That is not in there, folks. Remember, the blind guy that was before the Sanhedrin, he gets, he gets his eyesight. Remember what he says? They say to him, now how did he do this? Did, did he work on the Sabbath? Did he tell you he was... Did, did, did. The guy looks at him and goes, okay, stop, stop, stop. I don't know. Here's what I know. Once I was blind... Now I see. This man is standing before the most evil council of religious leaders there was of the day. He has no credentials. He doesn't have degrees on the wall or anything else. Here's what I know. Once I was blind, now I see. In other words, I don't care what else you say. You can tell me he's not powerful. You can tell me he's not this. I don't know all that power stuff. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see. The word of their testimony 
is simply that, the word of your testimony. How many of you believe that you and somebody else in this room has the same testimony? Go ahead, give it to me. You all have the same exact testimony. You can tell just how your life was and, and you'll match. Yeah, I don't see any hands. Here's the whole reason. God gave each one of us our own testimony to reach someone else that can understand our testimony, therefore not be afraid to have their own. You see, we, we have to be not afraid to have our own testimony. We may think that, yeah, I, I, I wasn't a, a bad sinner and I didn't grow up in the streets and I didn't do all this stuff and then get saved and talk about how amazing power of God was. What about the people that grew up in the church? To me, because I was the street kid who got saved and came up in the street, out of the streets, but I envy those who didn't have to do that to come to God. I have dear friends who were raised in the church, good parents and everything else. And to this day, they're serving Jesus. And I told them, I got news for you, my friend. It takes more strength for you to serve Jesus than me. You're my hero. Because you have recognized that power at a moment when you did not have to get rescued out of something. I had to get dug out of the mud to be able to find it. Maybe that's an indication that God thought I was a little stubborn. Shh, genie. So we, we, all know a, we all know those people who do that. Every single one of us, it says, by the word of their testimony. There is no specific testimony listed. It's there, all by all testimonies, by everyone. Every one of you have a testimony. Sometime you should try to write it out. And, be, and write it out as if you're trying to convey that testimony to somebody. I thought about giving you this as a homework assignment, but I thought I would hear about it if I did. But what you might want to think about doing is writing out your own testimony. Because right here, in the power of the Most High God... Defeating the enemy talks about, and they, and again, it says, and they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You want to conquer the biggest enemy in your life? Claim the blood of the lamb and learn your own testimony. Repeat it at night out loud if you have to. Because if you can do that, you can conquer those thoughts that are in your head. That's not my words. They came out of here. You could all read it. I love the next part. Verse 11, second half. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Is he talking about physical death sometimes? But they loved not their lives and gave up all of the things the world says is great. Getting high. Having sex, getting more money, having the biggest house, having the greatest car, having all of this. All that. They, they did not love their life so much that they worried about all of those monetary, earthly things that they let their spiritual life die. Now, are there martyrs in the world who are dying for their faith in Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Today, it's, it's unbelievable that it's still going on, but yes, it is. And they are still doing that today. They love not their lives even unto death. And then, verse 12, therefore. So because of all of this stuff in the first 11 verses, you have a therefore. Rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Do you know who dwells in the heavens? Remember the seal on your forehead? Everyone who has the seal on their forehead, you, you know good and well that you're the ones that dwell in the heavens. In other words, you're part of God's family. That's who dwells in the heavens. Because the next phrase isn't very, yeah, the next phrase, I wouldn't want to be a part of the next phrase. For all of you who dwell in them, but <laughs> woe even unto death. Woe to you, O earth and sea. For the devil have come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. 
So, so we know that we know that that the enemy knows his time is short. So what's he going to do with that? Because it talks about, you know, all of you rejoice, O heavens, and all those who dwell in them, the ones who have the seal on the forehead. That is wonderful, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for all those who dwell on the earth. For the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows his time is short. See, he has to devour all the ones who don't know the living God, the ones who don't have the seal on their forehead, he knows he has to get them devoured before they can come to repentance in God and come back to him. He doesn't want them to live and give glory to God for, their saving, for saving them out of the, the, being one of those who dwell on the earth. He doesn't want to be that. He wants to have that. Now, verse 13. Woo! Here we go. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth. Fifth time he said that, by the way. He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great evil so she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and a half a time. Okay, by the way, that's one one year plus two years plus a half a year, three and a half years, 42 months, 1,260 days. There you go. 15, the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. He's upset, evidently. But the earth came to the help of the woman and opened its mouth and swallowed that river and the, that the dragon had poured out of his mouth. The next phrase. <laughs> Again, one of my favorites. <laughs> then the dragon became furious. <laughs> really? Could it be? Wait, let's, let's figure out. Let's see. He was thrown down five times. He lost. He didn't get to have the child was snatched up. The woman fled. He'd lost the battle. And then it says, and, the, and he became furious. Well, you duh. You think? And then it says, woman went off, and then the dragon became furious and with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Anybody remember the third, when Jesus was, was in the desert and the devil came and tempted him? What was the third temptation? Remember? If you bow down and worship me, I will give you all of this and showed him all of the world, right? The devil knew that the only way that that baby born on this day could lose was that. Gave him the whole, wanted to give him the whole world if he just bowed down to him. The, the, the dragon in this phrase says, he became furious with the woman to make war on the rest of her offspring. I got one last shot. Jesus is in the wilderness. He's weak. He's, he's, he's sad. He's dry. He doesn't have thirsty. He already, I already told him, if you need water, just strike the stone and it'll give you. And, it, and, and then it, Jesus quotes back to me and says, yeah, but man shall not live by food alone. And he says, that's okay because God still thinks that he's got it, but I got him now. If he just bows down to me, I'll give him the whole world and then I got him. Jesus didn't take it. He said no. Now, if the dragon is so big and tough at this point, how come he didn't win? How come when Jesus didn't take any of those three things, he didn't snatch Jesus up and, and swallow him or, or, or kill Jesus? How come he, he never finished it? Because in the end, God wins. That's all there is to it, guys. Everybody says that all throughout this book, it has samples of, of where God's people get in trouble. And, and that the devil wins, and the devil gets the, the spirits of the evil, we get to come after them. When you're doing Bible study, inductive especially, inductive means to study it deeper. 
when you go to do deep Bible study, please, please know that when you do this, you've got to get to a point where that you look at the whole context or the whole story of each of those events. Because when it shows somebody getting attacked by the devil, there's some reason they are. Their doubt, their fear, they're believing he has the power. That's where he has the power is when you believe he has it. Jesus knows he didn't have any power. God proved he doesn't have the power. Throwing him down five times, yeah. When are you, when, when, when you going to learn, dude? You keep getting up, poof, throw you back down again. Every time he did it, he's throwing him down. And he's mad now. And so he's so furious, he says, okay, I can't hurt God by attacking him or beating him in battle. But you know what I can do? The dragon became furious with the woman, went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Here's the, here's the, the, the ugly part of this verse. And on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus, and he stood on the sand and the sea. Of course, we're the targets. We have the seal of God on our foreheads. We're the ones that when, when all of his minions were thrown out of heaven, we are the ones that looked out there and said, hey, God protected us in all of this. God took us and he separated us and he made it so that because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did on the cross, it's because of that that we can stand up and say, God wins. When I'm holding on to God in my heart, when I'm holding on to the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord over all this, and you get through these first 14 verses of the chapter 12, then you're going to be able to see and know and hear and understand, in the end, God wins. And there's nothing that that red dragon can do as mean and powerful, ugly, nasty with the tin heads and the seven, all the stuff he had on him. All of that did not matter. His wealth didn't matter. His horns of power didn't matter. The fact that he had head, seven heads so that he could see everywhere, none of that mattered. He could not defeat God Almighty. Please get that in our heads, all of us. I even have to do that. Folks, I'm not here to share this with you. I've done this once or twice. Well, a few more times. But what I'm saying is that I'm no, I, I get fearful too. Sometimes I forget. And I have to remind myself, greater is he who's in me. Come on, let me hear it. Than he who is in the world. I need to, I need to remember that for myself. And I know that all of you do too. And when we look at this, and he's standing on the sand of the sea. So, so we're just going to go back real quick to one little quick thing. Because I want to I bring up something. The, the war that arose in heaven. Okay, verse 7. So we got to the end of chapter 12, which is a great thing. I, I believe we finished one whole chapter in the night, because I didn't think we would, except for one, one small detail. The war, when the war arose in heaven... I don't see anywhere where God said, and God was prepared for this, and he had a strategy, and there was, and the plan was, and he had this army here and this army there or anything. A war rose in heaven. Michael and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. Done. There is no match from the power of hell that can match God's power. Please remember that forever and ever. The power of God in heaven is always more powerful than anything that can come out of the gates of hell. We, we need to stay close to his spirit. When we feel weakest, when we feel scared, when we feel tired, when we feel worn out, when we're just tired of the battle and tired of the day, Reach down inside and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I need to know right now that God is with me. You start crying out to God for those moments of, of in that in those, those moments of pain and fear and anxiety and everything else. I mean, it's no fun getting a I get a <laughs> I run a a, a a foundation that feeds people, and I get a thing from the IRS saying, Oh, we're gonna audit you. And I'm thinking to myself, you're gonna audit me because I help people. 
Because it's not like Bill's rich. Have you seen the car? I drive my truck. You know, my truck's 21 years old. And I'm saying, saying in that moment, I can get real fearful because it comes in and I think, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired. And then he says to me, and I get another text from someone else that says, we had a family that you guys sent food boxes to that just wanted to tell you how grateful they were. And the little girls and the kids would draw us pictures and say, thank you, FBM. Now, do I be more afraid of the IRS or do I take that little picture and put it right on top of it? <laughs> I, guess you, I guess you figured out what I did, right? Okay, <laughs> because that's what I did. I wanted to say, hey, see this? Look. Kathy says, you know that's not the IRS looking, right? I mean, really? In the end, God wins. And there's nothing that they can do to be that. And when the dragon, in verse uh, 13, when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman, had given birth to the male child, but the woman was given two wings of the great eagle that she might fly away from the serpent into the wilderness, into the place where she's to be nourished for a time, times, and a time and a half. God is our protector. He's the one that takes care of his children. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall forever be protected. I was reading in the book of Enoch. And um, it's astounding how that man, I, I know why he was taken to heaven before the great flood in Genesis 5. I get it. But um, Genesis 6, rather. But I get it that the fact that, that his whole thought was that if you just listen for the voice of God, you will hear him speak. And the woman that's running after giving birth. I asked Kathy tonight before we left, by the way, I said, hey, did you run right after you gave birth to the children? What is wrong with you? I'm just curious if you had the strength to get up and just run. She didn't, just so you know. But when she got up, the power of God filled her so strongly that she even got wings of eagles and she flew away from this serpent. Now, how many of us have seen movies where dragons fly? Right? Dragons fly. Why? 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 The dragon did a flu. He couldn't. He couldn't flew after her. Fly after her, whatever. He couldn't do it. Because guess who had the power of God in her? Not him. It was in her. And she flew away to the place to be nourished. In the times of darkest trouble. It's almost as if it's, it's two minutes before midnight. The red dragon is right there ready to kill us. And then all of a sudden God says, here, here's your wings. Oh yeah, by the way, just get out of there. And we get to go. It's not a, it's not a planned, it's not a big, well, before you do this, uh, Mary, just before you do this, you need to go to Bible college and get um, understand dispensationalism. God never told her that. He gave her the wings. He had birth of a child. Get up and go. One day, when you feel you're in your darkest moments, your loneliest times, your, the most fear you have in your life, when you reach out to him and wait to hear his voice. We love to talk in our prayers and we keep talking. Now, I've already given many of you the six-minute, you know, pledge to try to say okay let's see if you can just listen for God for six minutes don't talk don't speak don't think about anything else don't turn on praise music do anything sit in silence in a spot where you can just sit there and listen and wait for God's words and I've had testimony after testimony of people Bill it worked <laughs> it's not it's not I, I, I didn't make it work <laughs> it's God who did it and God does that when we listen for him. When we hear him, when we, we wait, we got to hear him. Now, everybody says, God didn't answer my prayer right. He didn't answer, or I like the phrase, he didn't answer my prayer. Um, I, you might have received the answer, you just may not have received the answer you wanted. No, he didn't answer me. Like at all or anything. Nothing happened. Oh, 
So he did answer. He said, does that mean God said no? I said, well, there's one other option. God may be saying, wait. It's not time. When all of this is, is taking place, the reason God gave us the book of Revelation, I believe, okay, this is on Bill, but I believe we got this book so that we could understand all of these things that are happening during it, that are all these things that are going to happen now, past, future, all the things John saw. We're going to understand all that, but the reason that we get to understand it is so that we know he hasn't forgot us. He's still in control. He, there's nothing anybody can take away from us that's in this book. And yet, we still have a population of those who dwell on the earth, don't we? A lot of non-believers. So if you want to know, though, why we get to understand it, Anybody want to take a small... Kilby, why do you think we got to, to, to understand? Huh? We're believers. Then what, what, what do we do with that? That's right. We got to share it. We got to go tell. See, the reason we get to understand is because if somebody says to me, I am so fair, I think God stepped away. I don't think he's here. He doesn't hear me anymore. Because as a pastor, I do get those phone calls every once in a while. I think God doesn't listen to me. What did I do? Tell me what happened. And as I'm listening, I'm saying, no, God, God is still with you. Because they'll say, here's, what, here's the only thing that happened. And he said, it was only partially answered. Or he says, no, God did it, but he didn't do what I asked. <laughs> In that instance, God's not the one that's wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes people don't like when you tell them the truth, just so you know. Just thought he probably should not have blurted it out like that, but he looked at me in such a, like I'd thrown cold water into his face and said, why, whatever do you mean? <sighs> because his time was short. He's come great down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Verse 12. He knows his time is short. You know who needs to understand his time is short? All of us. Because there's too many times we give him too much credit and too much power and think he's going to be here forever. And yet right here it tells us he knows his time is short. It's us who don't know that. So we need to become the ones who know that his time is short and understand that. Amen? Because once we do understand that and know that his time is short, that takes away a lot of the power of evilness. That takes away a lot of the fear, the anxiety, the depression. That takes all that nonsense away. If we will let it go. I love people when they come up to the altar and say, I want to pray that God takes this away. I say, okay, give me the string too. And they say, the string? Yeah, because see, you guys that always want God to take something away, you take it away, but you got this little string, you give it to God, and, but you always got a string that's holding it so you can just kind of pull it back. And so when I say, Quit, cut the string off, get rid of the string. I try to, I really try to, Bill, but I can't do it. No, no. So let me ask you this. When you give your child a glass of water, do you take it away while they're drinking it? No. Let it go. Give it to them. When we give things to God, my dear family and friends, when we give things to God, we need to give them to him and not take them back. Because if you can give things to God without taking them back, guess what? Your load gets really a lot lighter. You know, it's like the backpack that has all the iron in it. After a while, it gets a little heavy. You know, my brother Rick, he, he was in the, in, the, in the armed forces, and when Rick was packing through the jungles and stuff, he had a heavy pack. He would have loved for somebody to take that off him, so it's a lot easier to tramp around and all that in the middle of a battle. You're in a battle. It tells us right here, he wants to make war with those who are the offspring of God and those who hold his commandments. 
So give the backpack of junk that's carrying you and making you feel like you're defeated back to God. Let God take the backpack of all the junk. Give the junk away and don't take it back. If we ever get to that point and we realize the freedom we have in sharing our testimony with others, that's the most important thing we can do. You can never... You can never go wrong with the fact that your testimony can be something as simple as, here's how my life was before, and all I know is that once I got saved, it wasn't peaches and cream, and and it wasn't like I didn't have anything going on, and life wasn't helpful. But what I do have is somebody walking next to me to help me get through this. I always have a partner with me who has the most power. And I know that because somebody got thrown down five times. If he got thrown down five times, then the one that I'm trusting is the thrower downer. My wife gets upset when I use my own phrases. Those are my phrases. You can't steal them. Because the thrower downer is the one who is my king. He's the one, the one that threw down the, all of that stuff going down on this. He's the one who made it so that I can stand before him and say, God, I messed up today. I need to come back. And it's not when we fall down and we mess up that God is, is most amazed at us. He doesn't go, oh, didn't see that coming. Bill messed up again. Oh, gosh, I'm so shocked. God didn't say that. But when I get up from being weary and say, Father, help me stand back up again. My knees are scraped. I got some scars from the battle. But I get back up. That's what makes God smile. When you're in the heat of the battle, when you keep standing up, that's what makes God smile. It's not that you, you may have messed up yourself or, or the fact that you've been attacked or anything. What makes God smile is when you stand up and keep going. When we can stand up and, and, and say, look, I keep my testimony the word of the Lord is, is the joy of the Lord is my strength. Just because I have the joy in me doesn't mean I'm always happy and smiling and jumping around and dancing and praising God. Sometimes the joy of the Lord just means I'm weary and tired. And guess what? I get to stand up and say, my God is my refuge. And I get to go to Psalm 22. And I get to go to Psalm 51. And I get to go to Psalm 27. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. So I would challenge you with one thing, dear family, this week. First, yeah, I think I would like to know if you could write out your testimony. If you can, great. And you feel like sending it to me? I would love to read them, by the way. Anybody who does their testimony and then email it to me at pastor at lighthousecommunity.com, I would love to see those testimonies. And number two is this. When you feel like it's the hardest part of the week, when you feel like it's one of those days that just nothing goes right and it gets darker and darker and darker, or you fall down, you close your eyes just for a minute, but don't do this while you're driving (laughs) or sitting at a red light and you close your eyes to pray and then do the honkers in the back. You know, you don't want to do that. So wait until you get home and the car's off then you just say, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Go to Psalm 27 and read it. Psalm 27 is one of the most uplifting psalms there is. Of whom shall I fear? That's what it is about. When we realize that we can be like David when he was hiding in the cave from Jonathan and Saul, and he can say, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I fear? We can do the same thing when we feel like we're just too tired from the battle. And we feel overwhelmed and tired and we feel scared. We feel we've got lots of depression on us. Just so you know, depression and anxiety are probably two of the strongest minions of the red dragon. He loves to throw those at you. And he knows the correct darts to throw at each individual. You're all not going to get the same darts. And he may not show himself in a big red dragon because you could look at him and go, dude, you already got thrown down five times. You might as well go away. (laughs) But when he can make you worry and fret 
And like the King James Version says, and they were affrighted. Instead of afraid, he says affrighted. It's interesting. In those moments when you can say, the Lord is my light and my salvation, of whom shall I fear? Even in those moments, you will know and hear the voice of God saying to you, well done, my child, come to me. Stay close to my bosom. I will protect you. Read this part, what God did for, for this woman in pains. Whether it be Israel in a, in a thing or whether it's Mary running as she, after she has the baby. Chapter 12 begins the whole battle sequence starting of the rest of this book until we get to chapter 19. Between 12 and 19, there's a lot of stuff going to happen. 13 is the big deal about the Antichrist, just so you know. That's what's coming next week. And we can stand and we can claim that, oh, I already know all this, I hear all this, and all that. No matter how many times I've read through this scripture in the Bible, stuff, new stuff keeps coming to me. Always come to the word of God with an open heart so that you can hear his voice. I love you all dearly, and I'm so glad you're here for this book. It's not an easy book to tackle, but I appreciate you all always coming up and showing up each Wednesday and being a part of this. For those of you online who are watching right now, we, we appreciate you joining us and, and being online with us. Um, we're going to shut off the stream in just a second. Um, I'm going to ask some more questions of the folks here. But I just want you to know if you're online, you're always welcome to come down. There's plenty of room. You can sit far away from people if you'd like to. But you're always welcome to come here and show up and be here if you're in the area. If you're not, then I understand. But God bless you. If you have any questions for chapter 12 or any of the first 11 that we did or anything, just please feel free to send them pastor at lighthousecommunity.com. My friend Jeannie gets them and she'll make sure that I do like she did today. And also, if, if you just feel like you need to um, write out your testimonies, that's where you send them as well. That way I can, I can see them and, and understand them and have some fun. I may call you up and we could, we could go through them together. Maybe who knows what I'm going to do with it. So if you do send me a testimony, please send me a phone number I can call you at because I want to talk about it. I'm nosy because I love you. So thank you and God bless for being with us online. We hope that you, we get to see you again next week.